The Cardinals are coming off of a three-game sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers, while the Reds are coming off of a three-game series at home for the first time since they saw the Cardinals in Mexico. What's up, everybody? I'm Tara Wellman. Welcome back to another series preview right here on Bird Seeds. If you don't know, I cover the St. Louis Cardinals for birdsontheblack.com and create daily and weekly content that goes right here on this channel. Game recaps, series previews like this one, and more, all to keep you in the loop and entertain. Now, the Reds are coming into St. Louis for the first time this season. In fact, it will be the first time that the Reds and the Cardinals play at either home stadium, as the two games they have played so far took place in the Mexico series. But the Reds' season has not gotten off to the start that they had hoped it would. And for the Cardinals, they've turned things around as of late. So this week from St. Louis, Matt Berger from 590 The Fan joins me to talk all things Cardinals as they welcome the Cincinnati Reds. Matt, thanks so much for joining me today. The Cardinals just wrapped up a sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers at home, which feels pretty good after all they went through in Milwaukee. How are you in light of that news? <laughs> uh, fantastic, because this was a very important series for the Cardinals against the Brewers, because we don't see the Brew Crew again, I think, until August. Yeah. So, I mean, if this is going to be like maybe a three- I'm going to say a three-team race. I'm not a big believer in the Pirates. I know they got a lot of young pitching. They're maybe an up-and-coming team, but I just don't see them being uh, being there in the long run. The Cubs, they're struggling, but the Cubs are going to be there. They're too talented, and we, we already know about Milwaukee. So um, the fact that they swept them, I think, is great. And this Milwaukee team, uh, and especially Christian Yelich, their splits are not good. They're great at Miller Park. And you get them on the road, they're not that great. Same thing with Yelich, or as I like to call him, Athletic Pete Davidson. Uh, he's great at Miller Park, as we've seen it firsthand. But uh, on the road, not so much. So a very important series. Glad they got the sweep. Uh, very, very happy. Yeah, I was really curious to see how things changed between these two teams when they were not at Miller Park. Because the home runs were flying all over the place and you sort of figured that wasn't going to be as prevalent at Bush stadium, but it, I don't know. It felt really important to see how the Cardinals handled the Brewers outside of Miller park. And I mean, I don't think you could ask for, for more than what we saw from them. I think before we look at the red series specifically, the Cardinals starting pitching is still concerning to me. I know we saw another strong start from Adam Wainwright, which is great to see, but it's it's you never know what the next start is going to be with Adam Wainwright. But You're the right. same thing can be said at this point for Dakota Hudson, for uh, whenever, if Michael Walker comes back, for even Jack Flaherty has been a bit of an enigma as far as what to expect from him. And we finally saw maybe the real Miles Michaelis, but it took a while to get there as well. So when you look at the Cardinals starting pitching coming out of this series, is there... <laughs> Is there a, a a place or a guy or a way that you feel like it's going to settle down? Because right now it just feels like it's kind of a crapshoot what you're going to get out of the starters right now. You're right. I think a lot of it is their travel schedule has been weird. Yeah. You know, they've had a lot of um, a lot of uh, they've had a lot of home openers where you know you'll have the day off before the game, then you'll play the game, and then you'll have the day off after the game, and then you'll play three. 
Um, they had the, the two-game stint in Mexico, which I really wasn't sure about. You know, it just seemed kind of weird, didn't it? Like, you're just down yeah. there, you play the rest of the games in Monterey, Mexico, and then you're back on the road again in Milwaukee. I mean, that that probably was weird. And I think the weather has a lot to do with it, too, with some of these pitchers, you know. And it, I never really get too concerned about players until, like, you know, until the weather starts to warm up. Because baseball, is a, it's a hot weather game. It's supposed to be played in warm weather. These players are used to warm weather. And then when it's kind of cool or cold, you're not sure exactly how they're really supposed to be, you know, pitching. So, yeah, the, the starting rotation is a concern. Um, but I'm not hitting the panic button yet where I'm like, oh, my God, we got to sign, you know, Dallas Keuchel or I know the, the uh, Wait, you're Brewers. Wait, because they, I they, thought that was the only response to, to any of this. <laughs> yeah, to all of it. Panic, panic, panic. Yeah. I know that um, the Brewers, they signed Gio Gonzalez to a one-year, $2 million deal today. So, uh, you know, people wanting to bring up Reyes and, you know, Seamart, he wants to be, he wants to come out of the bullpen, which surprised me yesterday when he admitted, you know, no, I'd rather, you know, come out of the bullpen. I mean, that's great, but we may need him to be a starter. Um, so, like, right now, just just kind of tread water, wait for the weather to, to get a little warmer, let the, the pitchers get a little more into the, into the routine, and then, you know, go from there. I want to circle back to Carlos Martinez in a minute, but first to stay on the starters, Michael Waka, the knee, sounds like it's not something that's going to be a problem. However, when you think about Michael Waka and the history there and the fact that it's his landing knee and that it it's, it seems to me like it's never not a problem for Michael Waka. And, and patella tendonitis is no joke. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that the training staff isn't concerned about it, but I've had concerns about the Cardinals training staff in the past <laughs> and their, uh, their ability to diagnose uh, certain ailments. But we've seen here what patella tendonitis has done. Like that's pretty much what ended Mark McGuire's career was patella tendonitis. Um, I had a friend who was actually drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies. This was a long time ago, but he was in the Phillies organization. He was a middle infielder and developed patella tendonitis that he couldn't run out those, you know, those infield singles anymore and be able to get to those balls in the hole. So patella tendonitis. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to, to you know, basically R.I.P. Michael Walker's career. But it, it to me, it is a concern. And, and you mentioned it already before about his shoulder. I mean, like, when is Michael Waka not injured? That's that's why I've never been a huge believer in him. Um, he seems like he's a great guy, and when he's on, he's on. But the problem is, is that he's not always on. And your best ability is the best ability in baseball or any sport is your availability. Yeah, and and I'm always concerned about that with Waka. That's why I've always. I always kind of feel like anything they get from him is bonus because you never know when it's going to go away, but you better have a solid backup plan in place for whenever he's not available anymore. I'm not really sure what that backup plan is as of this point. Ponce de Leon came up and and did a fine job. I'm not sure if that's the long-term solution, Um, but he did, he did a great job when he was there. I think in theory it would have been Carlos Martinez, right? But now we're hearing that he's going to be coming out of the bullpen or, or Reyes, uh, who is now in the starting rotation in Memphis. So that's still sort of on the table, I guess, at some point. But for Carlos, it's the bullpen, at least for the foreseeable future. And he seems like that's where he's comfortable. It seems like that's where the team feels like he can be the most successful. It still all feels a little confusing to me as far as how they've arrived at that conclusion. But that's where it is. And, and I guess that kind of changes the conversation about the starting possibilities when you put Carlos Martinez back into the bullpen. 
Yeah, I mean, like starting pitching, we always figured that starting pitching was going to be the strength of this organization or, uh, you know, going into the season and so far. If you're going to complain about it, it's been, you know, the weakest part. The bullpen has been pretty good. Bullpen yeah. started out shaky. Bullpen started to round into form. Andrew Miller's looking good. Gant has been fantastic. So, yeah, um, like I said, I, I'm not going to be too concerned about them until the weather starts warming up. We'll start seeing some 80, 85, 90-degree days, and, you know, the body stays warm after you've warmed up and you're on the mound. You have to worry about running to the dugout and putting on the jacket and, and all that other different stuff. So, uh, let, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope there's going to be no more, you know, patella tendonitis for anybody else, no more other injuries. Let's hope Wainwright, by the miracle of God, is finding some way to still be able to be effective. But, um, yeah, you got to be concerned about the starting pitching. I've been on your podcast a couple of times. We always end up talking about Adam Wainwright, so I had to bring it up. (laughs) Because because I have been, I don't know, maybe less inclined to write him off than others have been because I felt like the, the possibility of him being healthy was going to tell the real story. Now, the concern is always... Is he healthy? Can he stay healthy for me? Um, That's but it. we've we've seen a little bit of vintage Wainwright a couple of times. It's still in there. It's kind of just hard at this point to see how it can be there every five days. And that's, I think, where the concern still is. But, man, it's it's cool to see when it's still there. That's, and that's the whole point. I'm not saying that Wainwright can't do it anymore. He just can't do it on a consistent level. Yeah. And that's the whole point. I mean, all the injuries that he's had and he's – you know, he's closing in on 40. What is he, like 36, 37 years old? And he's had the Achilles problem. He's had the Tommy John surgery. He's had, I mean, about everything that you can think of. And to, to paraphrase the great Charles Barkley, old people don't get healthy, they die. <laughs> so, I mean, to expect that Wainwright suddenly is going to be look like the Wainwright of, you know, 5, 10 years ago, it's just it's just not happening. And I, I don't hate People think I hate Adam Wainwright. You'd be out of your mind to hate Adam Wainwright. He might be the most likable player on the Cardinal organization. And one day he's going to have his, he's going to have that red jacket on. He's going to be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. He's going to be in that Ford convertible on the parade at Bush Stadium for opening day. He's not going anywhere. The, the point is, uh, another thing, another aggravation I have with Adam Wainwright is that every single start, everything that he does, takes away from the development of someone younger like a Dakota Hudson or like an Anthony Reyes or someone else in the organization that is the future of the of the starting rotation and not Adam Wainwright. Yeah. Well, Dakota Hudson I think has a lot of work yet to do, which we've seen. He'll get he'll get a start in this red series. He concerns me a little bit and I think it's because They've just been, and, and you know what? He's young. Um, you're gonna see some of this from some of these young guys, but he sort of looks like a deer in the headlights sometimes when things aren't going his way, and it's like there's no there's no um, understanding of how to fix it in the moment, and that's what the best starters do. So we've seen his potential; it's all there. It's just being able to to sort of manipulate it and find it midway through an outing when it's not there to start with. That's what I don't think we've seen yet from Hudson. No, and we haven't, and I mean, who knows? We may never see. He may be someone like Carlos Martinez where, you know, he was in the bullpen last year, and maybe he got a little like, you know, you know what, this bullpen's not that bad. I can hang out here. You know, I don't have to worry about, you know, the, um, you know, having to go five, six innings. I don't have to worry about maybe going one or two. So, there, I mean, there could be something to that as well. But, 
Um, you know, the starting pitching for the Cardinals, you know, it, like we've been talking for the past couple minutes, it is a concern. Dakota Hudson is a concern. Wainwright, we're, we got our fingers crossed that the, the bailing wire and the, and the duct tape was going to hold them together for I don't know how many starts. But um, Anthony Reyes could not get up here, or Alex Reyes. I always always, always, always say Anthony Reyes. Uh, Alex Reyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex Reyes could not get here soon enough and could not get in this rotation uh, soon enough. Well, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to where it's going to be. Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, and then Reyes as the one, two, three. Yeah, that's an exciting trio for sure. We will see Miles Michaelis yep. and Jack Flaherty in this Red Series. Michaelis, of course, finally being a starter to get past that seven inning mark. He pitched eight innings in his last outing. Jack Flaherty kind of righted the ship after a rough appearance in his last outing as well. So we'll see those guys. Uh, they'll go up against, it'll be Michaelis up against Di Scalfani for the Reds, Trevor Molly versus Dakota Hudson, Sonny Gray versus Jack Flaherty. Sonny Gray is an interesting story for me. Another guy that has been phenomenal, has had some rough moments, but looks like he may sort of be back on track, which might be a problem for the Cardinals, but it's it's good for a baseball story, I think, to watch Sonny Gray this year. Yeah, and, and like some people, they just can't handle playing in New York. Yeah. It, it takes a special animal to play in, in, in New York City, you know? You go like from some place. For example, there. you have to be like Luke Voigt. <laughs> you have to be what? Like Luke Voigt. Absolutely. In you know, New York. People get to New York and they're like, they, they love the bright lights, the big city, and they just take off. And other people, they get there and. You're surrounded by all those skyscrapers. The media is very intense out there. I mean, you've got how many different sports talk radio stations, and you've got how many different newspapers and and TV stations. You got the media, you know, picking every single little thing that you say. Um, some people can't handle that. Some people are better suited for a, a smaller market, and maybe that's what we're seeing with Sonny Gray. Yeah, it's I, I'm like I said, I'm curious to see that matchup between him and Jack Flaherty. Flaherty's given up uh, uh, more home runs than I think we would like to see from him at this point. But yeah. again, he's a guy that. What's that? I said the whole pitching staff has been like that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no. the the four home runs a game thing that was happening this week is not. That's not sustainable. No. So they should probably figure out how to. Yeah. How to stop that. However, when the offense is firing on all cylinders like it is for the Cardinals right now, you can kind of get away from away for with that, I suppose, for a little while. Um, the outfield for the Cardinals right now, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, it looked like Dexter Fowler and Marcelo Zuno were going to be the, the death of this team, and now they're carrying yeah. it. I mean, I don't remember a more impressive turnaround from multiple guys in the same time frame as far back as I can. I mean, Matt Carpenter sort of did it last year, but this was even quicker than that. And you and I have been probably Dexter Fowler's biggest defenders on Twitter, especially last season where, I mean, it was hot take after hot take about how Dexter Fowler, he's lazy, quits, you know, and all this other different BS that people really have no idea what they're talking about when they say that. You don't get to that level of professional sports by being lazy or (laughs) quit or anything like that. People don't realize that. And I mean, and, and then you have, you know, everybody's favorite Harrison Bader, who was playing right next to him. And Bader, yeah, he's he's fast. He's the fastest guy on the team. He's 25. He's going to be fast. You know, I'd love to see him and Colton Wong do a foot race. I think it'd be pretty entertaining about who'd be the fastest player on the Cardinals team. But I'm so happy, thrilled for Dexter that he is, you know, it looks like he's riding the ship. He's having fun playing baseball again. 
I'm a little surprised that they that uh, Mike Schilt has kept him that far down in the batting order and not bumped him up to at least two. Because right now, I think Goldschmidt batting second. I okay, we've done that. I'm not. I wasn't a fan of it to begin with. I'm still not a fan of it. I would right now. I think I would put Dexter number two and then just bump everybody down one. Because Dexter's power numbers until this series against the Reds, his power numbers were not good. He had didn't have one home run. I think maybe one or two runs driven in. But his batting average was creeping up there, and his on base percentage was pretty good. So why not have him bat second? And have him get on base and have him sitting there for Goldschmidt and DeYoung and Ozuna to drive in. So I'm still kind of puzzled that Schilt has kept, you know, uh, Dexter Fowler, was he batting now? Seventh? And that, that's where he's kind of kept him. I'm, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't moved him up just to see what would happen. Yeah, I I mean, when I sort of drew up what I would hope that this lineup would look like before the season started, that's what I would have done. I would have had, well... In a perfect world, I wouldn't have Matt Carpenter batting leadoff. Fowler would be leading off, Matt Carpenter would be second, Goldie would be third. But it's not a perfect world. So in a a realistic scenario. You know Carpenter could only bat uh leadoff. Yeah, that's that's what Twitter tells me, and Twitter's never wrong. So, um, (laughs) no, but I would have been perfectly happy to see Dexter Fowler sort of rebound to what he was two years ago and be that guy that can be in the two-spot, move Goldie down a bit. But I think, you know, someone mentioned it to me in regards to Colton Wong and why he was still batting so low in the order, and I think it might sort of apply to Dexter Fowler as well, is that to some degree there's a comfort level there now. They've established who they are, what their role is, where they're finding success. So maybe if it ain't broke, don't fix it, as long as other pieces are doing, you know, what they supp- are supposed to do as well. Hey, hey, right now the team is winning. So I mean <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like like maybe that's that's the best approach right now was to not, you know, laissez faire approach to the, the batting order. Uh but I'll tell you what, here here comes my hot take. Are you ready for my scorching hot take? I'm ready. The Outfield that we saw the past few days with Ozuna and left and Fowler and center and Martinez and right, I'm okay with that being the starting outfielder for the foreseeable future. I know everybody loves I know everybody loves Bader and he's a great defensive player. He's questionable at the plate. He's okay, you know. He still needs to to learn how to draw some walks and get. But he's a young player. But the way that those three are, are hitting right now, especially Martinez, you've got to find a way to get Martinez into that lineup. I, I know that he's an adventure in right field, and Marcelo Zuna is the funniest thing on TV going right now in left field. I want every ball hit to him. I'm not lying when I say that. He's spinning around out there like Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music in the, in the hills of Austria looking for the ball and the lights. It cracks me up. I know I shouldn't be saying that. I should want him to be professional and catch everything that's hit to him, but come on. It's funny. It's funny. But the way those three are hitting right now, what we were just talking about, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And those three are hitting the hell out of the ball. So I would almost say, you know what, until the foreseeable future, this is this the starting lineup. And that way you got O'Neal and you got Bader to be defensive replacements at, at the end of the game. Yeah, I'll be really curious to see how quickly they go back to Bader as the everyday center fielder because, I mean – Look, he makes plays in center field that nobody else on the roster can make. So right. there is that. But he also isn't hitting. <laughs> and while you can get away with that at times over the course of a season, I don't know. It's really hard to to break up what's going on out there right now. Honestly, here's my hot take in relation to this. I know that Dexter Fowler's 
slow and lazy and whatever, but um, <laughs> according to Twitter, but he according looks so much more comfortable in center field than he does in he does. right. He tracks fly balls better. He covers ground better. It's like he's just suddenly so much more familiar with his surroundings. And I don't know. I felt like he played better defensively this week when he was shifted over to center than he has ever since he moved to right. So that's my hot take. I don't think it'll stay that way, but I'm not mad about it if it does. I mean, like that means he's played how many years in Major League Baseball as a center fielder? So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would imagine him going back to center field was like riding a bike. Yeah. Or, you know, putting on, you know, it probably felt like putting on a pair, like, whenever you go bowling and you take off those bowling shoes and you put on <laughs> the shoes you got on the floor and you're like, oh, my God, this feels so good. It could have been like that. And maybe that's why we're seeing uh, this resurgence at the plate as well. And uh, here we should be like exchanging hot takes here. So here's my other hot okay. take. I think you'll agree with me on this one. I'm fully on board right now with re-signing Marcelo Zuna. Interesting. I'm, fu- I'm fully on board with it right now. Yes, he is an, uh, an adventure in left field. And I know the Cardinals, they have all these different outfielding prospects. But God knows if any of them are going to turn out. Because, I mean, it wasn't that long ago we thought that the outfield of the future was going to be, you know, Jason Hayward, Stephen Biscotti, and Randall Gritchick. And, you know... Those three, none of them are wearing a Cardinal uniform right now. Yeah. So just because you think you got these prospects and just because you think these prospects are going to do well, it doesn't mean that they're going to. Right now, Marcelo Zuna, he's kind of proven himself, at least at the plate. And he's done it. He's been a Major League Baseball player for I don't know how many years. He, he's awful in left field. And maybe, you know, Uncle Willie can work with them on that. But if the Cardinals were to sign to re-sign Marcelo Zuna, I would not be upset. It's interesting. I, I've been very much convinced that the Cardinals were not going to be interested in re-signing Marcelo Zuna because it felt like as much as they tried to make him a fit last year, it just wasn't a fit. And the way that things started this year, plus sort of the weird tension over the offseason with the shoulder and his readiness at spring training, and it just felt very strange. So I guess maybe I'm a little not quite ready to, to dive into the let's go in long term on, on Marcelo Zuna. I, but I don't think there's any way at all they do resign him. This is, the, this is the St. Louis Cardinals we're talking about. <laughs> and it's I a Scott Morris like, client. Yeah. And, and they're still fanning themselves over all the money they just spent on Paul Goldschmidt. And I like I like the Goldschmidt contract. I think he's worth every penny of it. But, I mean, they're probably still, like, biting their fingernails that they spent that much money on Paul Goldschmidt. So I have no delusions at all that they're going to re-sign Marcelo Zuna. I'm just saying that I think they should. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, it's been... It's been remarkable to see how he's changed the dynamic of this lineup. I mean, it it went from being a, a almost sure out to all of a sudden, I like Marcelo Zuna in any situation that he happens to come up in. And it's not just, you know, if there's no pressure and he can hit a two-run jack that doesn't mean anything. But, you know, if the game's on the line, he's one of the guys that I want to come up to the plate right now. And that's a huge shift in a short amount of time. Either him or DeYoung, the way yeah. DeYoung's been swinging that too. He must be really seeing the ball well because DeYoung is just NSC. He's hitting it to all, all areas of the field as well. He, he and, and uh, Ozuna both. So they, they've think, been incredible. I was worried about having those two back-to-back in the lineup. I think right now it's working well in in 
both of their favors because of how each of them is hitting. And the fact that Goldie's turning it on a little bit with Molina behind those guys. I mean, there's not an easy out in the lineup right now. And that's that's how this lineup was built to to yeah. exist. But we haven't seen it look like that in a really long time. So far, I would say that like I was really hesitant to say that the Cardinals were going to win the division. The reason why is that to be they were they were yeah there were just too many questions when it came to the the lineup. I mean, you you kind of knew what you were going to get with Paul Goldschmidt because you know he's he's a like he's a pretty much a perennial MVP. He candidate. has a bit of a track record. <laughs> yeah, a pretty good track record. But you were worried about uh, Fowler. How's Fowler going to do? Is Fowler going to completely implode again like he did last year? Uh, Marcelo Zuna is it going to take him forever to get back going like he did last year. De Young, another on player, another young player that yeah he was great and, or not great but he was good and they signed that extension. But you have no idea how he's going to pan out. He's not, someone who doesn't have that much of a track record. So for me, like going into the season, there were so many questions in this lineup, but. You have to say that the past, you know, week, week and a half, those questions have been answered. Yeah, we'll see if that continues. Starting with this Red Series, I expected the Reds to at least be competitive in 2019. So far, not so much. <laughs> Since no. the Cardinals saw them in Mexico, they have yet to score 30 runs in two-plus series since the Cardinals have seen them. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have scored 50-plus runs in the same amount of time. Um, Matt Kemp is now on the aisle with a broken rib. They have, uh, here's the thing, the Reds' offense finally climbed above the 200 mark as a team batting average, but it's the worst in baseball. Their offense that was supposed to be this turnaround for them the source of their their intrigue this season has been awful and uh, there's no real end in sight to that I mean even Joey Votto has not been spectacular here's a here's a fun thing before we go too far down this rabbit hole um first time in his career that he popped out to first base this week also that's Right. How does that never happen? Also, his first career leadoff home run, like, the next day. So when you've been in the game as long as Joey Votto has, and you can still pick up first like that, I, I don't know, you're doing something right. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's a good player. He's, you know, he's won an MVP. Uh, he's been around for a long time. He is, he is the face of that uh, Cincinnati Reds franchise, so... I'm with you there. Yeah, their their offense has been surprising. We are talking about Joey Votto and another person that the Cardinal fans, the BFIB, they can't stand him. I personally love the guy, and that's Yasiel Puig. Me Puig too. is my friend. <laughs> I love Puig. I think I I just think he's fun. I mean, this like I'm not a baseball purist. I don't like lose my bleep whenever someone misses the cutoff man like Tom Hanks in a league of their own. You know, I understand fundamentally it's what you're supposed to do. I played baseball my entire life. I understand the game. I don't lose my mind if someone does that. I mean, maybe if he was on my team and he was costing my team runs, I'd have a different, you know, view on that. But uh, Puig, I think a lot of the players are just having a little bit of a time of adjustment period, you know, in a new market, in a new stadium, new teammates, new surroundings. I mean, we go from L.A. to Cincinnati. Uh, that's that's the culture shock. Just, <laughs> a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, and, and so far, it seems like the the fans in Cincinnati have kind of taken to uh, to Puig. I think when they had that brawl uh, against the Pirates and he was going to you know take on the entire team, I think 
Cincinnati. We know how much they love their fighters in Cincinnati when they had Johnny Cueto and, and the whole thing with Jason LaRue. So um, I think when he did that, he kind of won that Cincinnati fan base over. So they're not a team that I'm worried about at any stretch of the imagination. Um, they some For some reason, they seem to have, kind of have the Cardinals number every year when they're terrible, and they play the Cardinals, and they'll win like three out of four, two out of three, out of nowhere. But this coming series, I'm, I'm expecting more of the same. Yeah, the Red Series, to me, no matter what time of the year it comes or how many times we've seen them already, it feels like one of those that you kind of classify as a trap game. <laughs> like, yeah. this is a series that you have no business losing, but you also probably had no business sweeping the Brewers, so who knows what's going to happen. And, and maybe, like, if they've been like, hey, you know what, we saw the Brewers, or there could be, like, a little bit of an exhale. Where they're like, oh, thank God, we needed like we needed to win the series. We swept them, you know. Hey, we we can kind of kick our feet up against you know against a hapless team like the Reds, and then they come in and they win two out of three. And next thing you know, you never know what what something like that could could uh could to lead to. So, but the, what we talked about this Reds pitching staff, the pitching staff is meh. The lineup is surprisingly bad, you know, like weekend series or kind of like a midweek series with the with the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm not too worried about him. Yeah, it's interesting. I-, I was reading some about the Reds, and in talking to uh, Wick Terrell, who did the preview before the Mexico series, the Reds fan base always kind of feels like, if we could just have league average pitching, we'll be fine, because this is a-, a place where you can score a lot of runs. Well, they kind of have league average pitching right now, and it's the offense that's just non-existent that has been just absolute torture for them so far. <laughs> One of those things where, like I was talking about earlier, where they're waiting for the weather to kind of warm yeah. up and and the bodies to kind of like warm up and and, and get back into the, to the grind of things too. So that that could be part of it as well. But it's it's, it's kind of sad to see what's happening in Cincinnati, such a great uh, a baseball city with a rich baseball history, with the big red machine going back in the seventies and and having some pretty good teams in the eighties and the nineties. So, um, but yeah, but I mean, their misfortune is our game as, as, as Cardinal fans. But uh, it is kind of sad to see a good baseball city like Cincinnati be in the doldrums for as long as they have been. And it's got to be tough to maybe have a little bit of hope for this season and then to be off to the start that they are. Obviously, you know, we, we haven't even completed April yet, so there's time for dramatic things to change. But right now it looks like the Reds are maybe not quite what everyone hoped they would be after all the moves that they made. However, we will, like I said, see Sonny Gray. We will see Tyler Molly. Anthony Discofani has actually been their worst starter so far, so maybe that matchup for the Cardinals will work in their favor, although they have a tendency to struggle against the guys who are struggling and be fine against the, you know, Noah Syndergaards of the league. So, again, we'll see how that all shakes out. It's always nonsensical. Yeah. If you want, if, if if you're playing the the St. Louis Cardinals and you have to win this game, let's say for some reason it meant like the release of hostages, and your team has to win a game against the St. Louis Cardinals, bring up a soft tossing left hander and you are going to win that game. He may even pitch a no hitter. Yeah. For some soft, reason, it, soft tossing lefty with like a an eight plus ERA and yeah, good to go. <laughs> It has been like that with the Cardinals for as long as I can remember. It makes no sense. You would think How, someone uh, would have been able to figure that out over the years at some point. 
if you're the Cubs or the Brewers, why not just go out and get a, get a bunch of soft tossing left handers and then just you know sit on top of the BNL Central for as long as you can? Oh man, I, it's, I, it's one of the more <laughs> bizarre trends that I just I don't know how it keeps happening. But every time, every time you think, okay, this isn't really a real thing, and then it happens again, and you're like, no, no, it's very real. It's very much a real yeah. thing. <laughs> Here's another thing with the Cincinnati Reds. I always think about this, like a team like the Reds and somebody like the Royals and some of these other teams that are really, really bad. If you work in that ticket office, how the hell do you sell season tickets? Yeah. Like, what? Do you, what well, do you do? I mean, look at the I mean, stands. I guess you kind of <laughs> and, hey, you know, we got Yosiel Puig and we got Matt Kemp and, you know, maybe they'll be, you know, what they did in L.A., maybe they'll do here in Cincinnati. So maybe there's that. But, man, that's got to be a tough sell. Yeah, not an easy day at the office, to be sure. No, but they will come into St. Louis for the first time this weekend. It's always a bit of a, a unique challenge. And, of course, having just seen them for that two-game series in Mexico, it feels almost like this is the first series of the – I don't know. Maybe it's just because we haven't seen either of these two teams in their home ballpark. So it feels a little bit different. There's not going to be the fanfare. There's not going to be the, the added expectations or, or – um, excitement of the Mexico series. So we'll see what happens this weekend. But Matt, I appreciate you taking your time this afternoon and uh, we'll see what happens. It's been a pleasure. It's good hearing you and seeing you again. And uh, anytime you want me to come on, you know how to get a hold of me. Sounds good. We'll have to uh, maybe do it again when, um, you know, the Reds are more interesting to talk about or just find another team. <laughs> Thank, how about another team? How about right. this is important the Reds? Thank you, Tara. <laughs> Why do you want to talk about the stinking Reds? <laughs> hey, man, somebody has to talk about the Reds. If I have to talk about the Reds, somebody else has to talk there about them. There you go. One more quick note on the Reds pitching before I wrap all of this up. It is, in fact, their pitching that has been keeping them at least somewhat relevant. They currently have the sixth best ERA as a starting rotation, third best as a bullpen. That's actually just ahead of the relief core for the St. Louis Cardinals, of course, led right now by John Gant and Jordan Hicks, along with Mr. John Brevia. Don't want to leave him out. So it is the pitching that is keeping the Reds in close games. It's the hitting or the lack thereof that is taking them out. But they are playing close games. We'll see if that trend continues this weekend in St. Louis. We'll see if the Cardinals can continue their winning streak, which currently stands at five. Once again, it'll be Anthony DiScalfani versus Miles Michaelis in game one. It will be Trevor Molly versus Dakota Hudson in game two, and Sonny Gray versus Jack Flaherty in game three. I will be back right here on Bird Seeds to recap it all on About Last Night. I will link to the About Last Night playlist so you can catch up if you haven't. Make sure that you're following Matt Berger and send him all of your commentary on Adam Wainwright. I'm just kidding, but maybe only sort of. You can hear Matt on 590 The Fan in St. Louis. Thanks again to him for joining me. I think that just about does it. So I'm Tara Wellman, and I'll see you next time.